and we are recording in progress recording with dr carol lieberman on sunday march 19th 2023 at 503 p.m eastern time and guys as always if you want to support the show click the little red button above on rumble for locals for like a couple bucks a month you can support the show exclusive stuff all that whatever no one cares um so i was just telling dr uh, lieberman beforehand as of everyone that watches this show knows still kind of reeling from the worst panic attack of my life and uh you you uh so beautifully said that that's not entirely off topic that a lot of people are feeling anxiety right now and um as a side note in the descriptions your twitter and your podcast and i think you have the best name ever for a podcast the terrorist therapist that's incredible <laughs> but thank you dr lieberman could you please introduce yourself to uh my audience sure um well let's see Okay, I'm a psychiatrist, a Beverly Hills psychiatrist, um, but I was born and bred in New York City, uh, you know, talking about the terrorist therapist. Um, I, after 9-11, uh, I decided that I thought the, the thing that I could do the most to help people, of course, that's before life got even crazier in America, right, with cult, cancel culture and everything else that we're going through, but anyhow, is it, it, terrorism. And so um, I have been since then, uh, I wrote two books on terrorism. I do have this podcast, The Terrorist Therapist Show. Um, and I've done all kinds of like speaking engagements and just all kinds of things to try to help people uh, cope with living in a world, not just with the 9-11, but with living in a world where there is still this terrorist threat. And, you know, it's so interesting. Um, lately in the news, there has been a lot of news about uh, terrorists you know, um, the action that terrorists are taking. I mean, I say on my podcast, oftentimes, this is not, the terrorists have not gone away. They have, just because uh, we're not thinking about them anymore, you know, especially with the pandemic and so on, um, they were using that time to build themselves up to recruit and all of that because so many people were on online. Um, and so they are, you know, and now, of course, we left all our equipment in Afghanistan. So they are more, we are in more danger now than um, before 9-11 and in a lot of different ways. I won't go, you know, I won't go off on a tangent of this, but you just mentioned, uh, you know, what I think about telling about myself, it starts in New York. Uh, I trained at NYU Bellevue and, and also in London at Anna Freud's clinic. Um, I, besides uh, seeing patients, I um, am a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness, and I, um, you know, with civil and criminal cases, and I do a lot of television and radio and talk. I, I, you know, my passion is talking about things that we are all facing in the world and um, how we can see it in a more, in a light that we can um, cope with these things better. And, um, and what else? And, and I, I've written four books, two on terrorism and two on relationships. Um, I'm also working on, one of these days it's going to be finished, working on a book about my, um, my stint as the defense psychiatrist for Jonathan Schmitz in the Jenny Jones talk show murder trial. I don't know if you remember that. That was, it was a while ago. Um, but it is still sort of the most intriguing of all my cases, you know, in all these years, um, that is still the most intriguing case. So anyhow, I, I don't want to go on just talking about me. No, no, please. Try, try, I've, I've done 1140 
three episodes, people have heard enough about me. I think that they, I think they, I'm, I'm, it's dawning on me more and more. I'm like, hey, they're they're here for the guest, not for me. Um, to kind of pick up on one of the things you said, in what way would individuals shift the light in which we're viewing the world, and how how would one cope with it? I mean, we are in a seemingly insane world. You know, be it World War Three is on, you know, right around the corner, or coming out of a a pandemic. Or with every passing day, it seems that the the gap between the schism of the left and the right in the United States is growing, and that there's a failed state to our south, that there's a belligerent China teaming up with. I mean, what what is it? Is it a sane response to be a bit on edge? Yes, you know that's the thing. It really is because if you could look at the news, you know, you, I, every morning I get up. And um, I look at certain news sites and um, I see these things that are just unbelievable. It's like, you know, if you would write this in a script, you would never get the script made because people would say that this is impossible. This could never happen. And in fact, more and more of these things that could never happen are happening. Um, I mean, today, for example, uh, there was an article in the Daily Mail um, about a hospital in New York. You know, it's so interesting. In the Daily Mail, I don't know if you read that regularly, but they talk about things. That. They talk about things that um, that you don't see in American. I mean, besides the mainstream, you know, and of course Breitbart, you get to see the truth and all that. But um, but you know, you, like this story is an example. Was about a hospital in Manhattan. Um, where the emergency room, you know, there was someone brought their mother into the emergency room. And so they took pictures of it. And it was just it was just unbelievable. Um, not only were there more patients than could fit in the rooms and so on, but there was urine on the floor, you know, urine um, sample trays or, or you know, the um, all, all kinds of disgusting things that in a hospital, you know, it's bad enough we see this in our streets, right? But in a hospital. And so I had to tweet that, you know, I feel like I start my day by trying to help people right away by drawing attention to some of these crazy things. Um, and so, you know, I wrote something about how this was, um, foreseeable because, you know, with the open border on the South and, um, and doctors and nurses quitting and, uh, people in general, just having more uncivilized behavior. But, you know, you look at something like that and it's, how do you go about your day? Um, realizing, I mean, so I wrote something about warning, do not get sick. Because, I mean, think about that, you know, if you have to, if God forbid, you know, and eventually we'll probably most of us will have to go to a hospital for something um, and you go into the emergency room, that, it's like more upsetting, more scary, more dangerous than whatever it is that you could be suffering from that would need you to make you go into the hospital. So you see this and, and this isn't just in that hospital. I mean, it turned out that um, the reporter um was related in a way or knew in a way um, the woman who brought her mother in. And so that's how he got this uh, report. But, you know, this is happening all over. And um, so how do you go on in a sane way um, when you know that these horrible things are happening? And that's the question you asked me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what's the answer? The answer is, the answer is, 
the only way to live in this world where there are all these kinds of, uh, you know, crazy things happening, pronouns, um, transgender, um, uh, critical race theory, you know, on and on and on, um, is to do something about it, is to do what you can do to try to fix these things or to try to help the people who are uh, being most affected by these things. Um, because action, in other words, is the antidote to um, just, you know, going to bed and pulling the, the covers over your head. No, that's a, uh, and that's kind of, it's the correct answer. And it's the answer that I hate because I know deep down it's correct is like today I woke up and was just, second I opened my eyes was just, I could, I could tell I was anxious and all you want to do is roll back over, pull the sheets up and I'm, I'm not here, but I know that deep down, the only thing that makes it feel better is to get up and start moving, start, start the laundry, start the dishwasher, come into the studio, make sure all the lights are working, check the emails. All right, we're doing this. Send out the zoom invites, make the thumbnail, make the description. Okay. Go to the gym, come back. And all the while I hate every second of it. Cause all I want to do is be in bed and, and close my eyes. But even now I'm not entirely through the day and I'm, I'm still a little off, but I know that around eight or 9 PM, after a full day of, of working and, you know, adding, you know, this podcast is my business. It is my, my revenue source by working towards this thing and working on myself, meditating, going to the gym, reading, I will feel better. And it's, it is the worst answer because it means that you're not allowed to stay in bed and do nothing. But <laughs> action really is the only thing that in the long term starts to make it feel better. And it's, it's a tough thing to do because you do just want to roll over and pull the covers up. Yes. And of course, you know, I mean, you can feel better by what you're doing with this podcast in terms of trying to right some of these wrongs. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what I, you know, it used to be when I started out, um, I've been doing media for ages and it's when it started, when I started out, I used to do things like, um, uh, you know, like I had this column in the National Enquirer just to be, to be as, as an example. Uh, actually, I started out in the National Examiner. I was promoted to the National Enquirer, and I, I did a column about um, the media. You know, it was about well, in the Enquirer, it was called um, what was it called? Um, Hollywood on the couch. Or that was the examiner. Anyway, I, I analyzed in both of them. The gist of it was I analyzed either the Hollywood in general or um, in the Inquirer. It was about particular people who were being featured in the Inquirer. And I would analyze them. You know, I did all kinds of research on their background and so on and why they're now doing this crazy, stupid thing that they're doing. Um, but after a while, and then you know, other things like, uh, I mean, my first two, well, two of my books are about relationships. So it was kind of general psychological stuff. But for about the last five years, at least, well, certainly terrorism since 9-11, obviously, that was a major thing. Um, but also, in about the last five years or so, since the, our country started getting so crazy, I have been especially dedicating myself to talking about these things that are taking America, stealing America, you know, taking America uh, away from us and away from traditional values and so on. And that is the key thing that we all have to everybody there's something that everybody can do maybe not everybody can have a podcast but there is something that ever certainly that everybody 
can do in their way to try to fight back, you know, against um, what is happening in our world. And there is something kind of uh, kind of symbolic about, right? There's something about, I think we're all familiar with anxiety. And there is there is almost this this threshold this this gradient on the slippery slope where you can tell it's turning into panic and there is like you can do something you you can note it you can go okay this is scary this is happening how do we keep it at this level how do we just not let it slip into and the first thing you do is you go you, you can't be helpless you have to say, we're, we're going to do some stuff today. We're going to get moving. We're going to clean the apartment. We're going to whatever, pay the bills, answer the emails. We're going to do some stuff. You acknowledge that it currently sucks, that you feel a little on edge. And you go, but we're not going to, we're not going to let this get away from us and go, oh my God, I'm all alone. How am I going to fix it? I'm not, I, that's, you're kind of at a game over. There is some similarities in to what they used to call, you know, what we would now call a depression or a recession, but they were runs on the banks are also like the panic, the panic of 19, whatever the panic of 18, whatever there is that on sort of a larger meta scale of a panic of when rational thought goes out the window and you are the cornered animal and you are going to get yours or you're going to die trying. Is there, is there any similarities or is it just semantics in something like a rush on the bank that we're seeing with, or we saw with SVB or signature? Well, you know, the problem is that we are so overloaded with things that are, that are, as I was saying, sort of unbelievable things that we have to cope with in the, in a general sense in the world, in addition to whatever, you know, problems we individually have, um, a relationship breaks up or um, somebody is sick in your family or something like that. But on the larger scale, there is just one stress after another. Now, the banks... Um, of course, is the current great example. Um, it, you know, and I think when when you think of a run on the bank on a bank or banks, um, which is people go to the banks and try take their money out because they're scared that the money is going to be taken away from them, and you know it's certainly reasonable um, to be scared of that. But we can't, if we each give in to our panic and make a run on the bank, then it really is going to be a disaster. So we have to have a little self-control here. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. You know that movie, right? Mm -hmm. um, where everybody makes a run on the bank. and But then um, the hero of the story, uh, people come and give him, and he has a small bank compared to the other bank. And so, um, and there's some something that happens where they don't, they lose the, somebody loses the money from their bank, at least, uh, and the bad guy takes it. But what happens is the people in the village who love um, George, <laughs> the hero, uh, come and bring as much money as they have, and it turns out to be even more than enough, and so on. And then someone says, you know, you are the richest man in town, meaning not just about money. But about how everyone, you know, cares about him, loves him. Everyone wants to pitch in. So that is kind of the. Um, it would be nice if we all could adopt that sort of feeling of wanting to help each other rather than the run on the bank for each of us, you know, doing our own thing, trying to save our own skin. Now, um, that being said, yes, one sort of this is a good time to take stock of all your assets. Uh, I am not a financial expert. 
by any means, but um, but you know it, it would be good to you know to keep track of how much you have where and and other assets that you might have and um and to realize that um you know just think about well first of all to think about how really the best things in life are free that's not just a corny phrase um but you know no matter what there is uh there is you know nature and art and music and um all kinds of friends and family and so on and and maybe we put too much you know, a lot of us do put too much emphasis on money, making money and, and all of that. So, you know, it's a good sort of adjustment, a balancing act that we might want to do. Um, some people are more vulnerable to this panic than others. Like, for example, people who don't have a lot of options, um, if they don't have a lot of education or for whatever other, other reason, they it wouldn't be easy for them to get another job or to figure out something else to do in a pinch. Um, so, you know, those are some people, people who, who um, uh, had prior financial setbacks, people who have friends or family who were in the Great Depression you know, of 1929, 30, and so on, um, who already have have a fear, have had a fear from that time of, you know, those are like the hoarders. A lot of the hoarders are people who were involved in the Depression because they want to hold on to everything, you know. You know, anything might have value. Um, and it's good to make plans, like what could you do if you needed to make extra money? Could you move in with somebody? Could you take in a person into your apartment or house um, to make money? Then also children. You know, it's uh, we don't want children to panic because, it's first of all, it's so confusing for us. The media, I mean, every day I look to see what's the latest on, uh, you know, with the banks. And, of course, I mean, most people probably do that, too. But that's another thing. We shouldn't look at that when it gets too close to bedtime. Yeah. Because. Um, Got to turn it off. Otherwise, you won't be able to sleep. That's right. You can't turn it off. Um, but, you know, the, the news is so confusing. And you get one thing one day. Yellen says one thing one day. And then she says another thing another day. And one of the things, though, that it is um, that is a little worrisome, kind of in the same vein as some of the other things we were talking about, you know, with how culture wars and so on. Um, I started thinking about how um, this this could be. Well, first of all, the the people in um, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, well, particularly SVB, um, they only had one person on their board who was a real expert in um, money and banks and all of that. The other people had these weird backgrounds and um, they were all connected or each of them was connected in some way to either Obama um, or uh, Nancy Pelosi or, you know, th that the left side, <laughs> the left side, yeah. Um, and it, I started thinking, and Biden, of course, and I started thinking about um, how, Maybe this isn't just a coincidence. I mean, yes, of course, there are lots of things that went into this. And, and again, I'm not a financial expert, but I mean, it's it, very poor planning. They didn't even have a risk manager for almost a year. So there's all kinds. Of, they were too much too uh, interested in being woke um, and not paying enough attention to their people's money, the people you know who gave the money to the bank. Um, so, but I started thinking about how 
this it could well not be a coincidence and not a surprise because this would go along with so many other things that are trying to make Americans um, poor so that we would be dependent upon government handouts, in other words, socialism. Um, if they can make us poor enough, then everybody or, or the majority of the people will be desperate and want to go into socialism because we want to eat. What do you think about that? It does seem to be that CBDC, central bank digital currency, is really just the the current manifestation of that age-old idea of if you, you know, I guess metaphorically and sometimes literally rape and pillage the population and you are so destitute for it's not that you can't afford a pool or that maybe you got to maybe you got to get an, a, a minivan instead of a decked out Escalade. But if you actually take away everything to where you don't, you know, foods, you need food stamps and you need the heater on and there's only one game in town that can provide that the government. This is this is as old. This is as old as humanity itself is that people in power do do that. It corrupts absolutely. And that is often a tactic to use is if you can't get them to do it at their own free will, you manufacture some sort of disaster to where the only response is big daddy government. And that's that doesn't mean every response from the government is. I mean, sometimes shit just happens. Hurricane Katrina, National mm -hmm. Guard. I mean, I don't think that was engineered. I think sometimes just sucks. Life just sucks. But something like this, it does seem that it does seem manufactured. It does seem, and I only say it because we're coming off the heels of other modes of totalitarian control. The, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, what is it? The G, the government governance disinformation board to actually, you know, judge yes. disinformation or vaccine passports. I mean, we've seen just in the last three years, those right there are two examples of the government wanting to clamp down and control your movements and your speech. Like they're, sh they're showing us who they are. And I don't think that's too absurd to assume that, A, they're engineering this to usher in a digital currency, or B, and maybe, I'm open to it, maybe this is all happening organically, they're still going to take advantage of this crisis. That's kind of my two cents on that. Yes, yes, I agree with you. And, and maybe, you know, the fact that all these people in, in um, SVB Bank, um, SVB, uh, the fact that they're so connected to uh, Obama and Biden and all of that, you know, isn't a coincidence. In other words, they would have been able, there would have been influence from the Obama-Biden White House to be able to make this bank fall apart um, if they had wanted to. So, yes, these are, um, you know, these are certainly um, difficult times, um, you know, which is another reason why we each have to make things in our own world, try to develop enough security in our own world, amongst our friends and family and groups that we belong to and so on, to feel some little island of security uh, in it as, as a way of dealing with the outside world, too. You know, at least if you know that in this little place or with these people, you know, you can, um, you can talk about these things and you can uh, um, not feel like you're, go you're the only one going crazy, you know, that 
everybody can share how they feel about these kinds of things and information that they have about these kinds of things. Um, and of course, the latest thing, uh, the latest craziness is um, the, the plan to arrest Trump. Mm -hmm. on, on for everybody in the future, today is Sunday, March 19th, and he is allegedly going to be arrested on Tuesday, the 21st, correct? That's what he thinks. And he said it came from a leak from uh, from New York, from um, the DA. Or, I mean, you know, it is just um, I, I think that the Democrats or the left are running out of ways to try to stop Trump. I mean, he, you know, I, I'm sure there was a he had a good reason for announcing early that he was going to run, that he was running for 2024. But um, of course, now it gives the left Democrats a lot of time to try to make bad things happen to him. But um, but, you know, so, for example, um, you know, they started with banning him a while ago with banning him from social media. Um, they started with, uh, the, you know, of course, January 6th. They used that to make January 6th, you know, get people to believe that the so-called insurrection of January 6th was worse than 9-11, um, that we're all terrorists. And uh, we don't worry about the radical Islamist terrorists, just worry about the domestic terrorists who are the people uh, who are Trumpers. You know, that's that's what how they define a uh, domestic terrorist. And um, and then, of course, what else was there? Um uh, Mar-a-Lago, the invasion of Mar-a-Lago. And so now they bring up Stormy Daniels. Now, if there was something really there, you know, that they could have put Trump in jail for, they would have done that ages ago. You know, they wouldn't have waited to now, but they're running out of things um, to try to stop him. And especially since, you know, the polls are showing that he is ahead of all the uh, of all the Republican candidates. So as much as, you know, they want to throw, say all kinds of bad things about him. So the, the other thing with that, though, is so, I mean, and why is it coming now? Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that it's coming at a time when the investigations are getting closer and closer to exposing Biden's connection to China. Hmm. And so how do we distract people from this? We don't want, you know, the, the um, Hunter Biden uh, computer has been around now for what? It's been like over a year. And only the New York Post um, broke it or, or put it, you know, the mainstream media didn't want to talk about his computer, but now even they are being fought, forced to talk about it. And so what do you do to, to get people to stop thinking about that? Um, you know, you arrest Trump. So it's, it's really, um, this is really getting to be like a banana republic. All these different things that we were just talking about, like you were mentioning, um, and I was mentioning all these these different things are things that happen in in places where that that aren't democracies in places where you know you arrest the candidate the opposing candidate that is not supposed to happen and it never has happened in America. Yeah, this is uh, this is pretty insane. We're reaching we're definitely it's no longer hyperbole to say we're reaching a kind of a communist fever pitch in that. I mean, if we really wanted to arrest former presidents, George Bush would have done it to Bill Clinton for the ICBM um, um, intellectual property data that was 
allegedly given to the Chinese, Obama would have uh, arrested George Bush for lying about weapons of mass destruction. Trump would have arrested uh, Obama for, was it Operation uh, Sycamore Timber, where we funded what would become ISIS, and for, I guess, droning a hospital. And then Biden would arrest Trump for whatever Trump did. But we haven't done that so far. And so all that tells me is that we have either reached a fever pitch where we are now arresting uh, opposing candidates and or it's that he's the only one that has stepped outside of the and just logically you don't have to like Trump you can hate orange man that's fine but I'm just logically how come no one else has been arrested despite Republicans or Democrats well I think it's giving a little more weight to the idea that there is a uniparty and that all all differences are are merely theatrical and surface level and we're seeing the one guy who just rationally by this line of thought you don't have to like him that's fine he's the one that has stepped out of line from the uniparty and they are cracking down on that that's my best thought yeah you know it's it um boggles my mind how i mean there are a lot of people who um well i don't want to i mean some people let's not say how many but there are some people i mean even the fact that biden supposedly won um, the people weren't voting for Biden. Um, they were voting against Trump. And it, it boggles my mind that people are so petty or, you know, people are jealous of Trump. People are jealous of not just his money and, you know, his success and all of that. But um, they they don't like the fact, some people don't like the fact that uh, he tells it like it is. You know, he isn't afraid. He, he goes out there and he has a love for America and he's ready to do whatever it takes to try to preserve the country. Um, and that some people are like intimidated by that or jealous of that. And it just bothers me because it's like, don't they see that we, we need someone like this to be able to take back our country that is just flowing away from slipping away you know, day by day, slipping away as more of these crazy things go on, like uh, like in even in hospitals or in, you know, the medical um, education, medical establishment, where the, they're saying that you have to use certain pronouns and so on in medicine. I mean, that, that, that talk about crazy or, or things not making sense. How can you doctors, you know, <laughs> call men women and women men? It, it, it just it's. It, it even so, and even doctors being taken over by, wooed by um, this craziness. Like, isn't anyone intelligent enough to to? And I'm not saying that doctors are the most intelligent people, but you know what I mean. Um, you know, no one seems to be able to stand up against this craziness. Yeah, I mean, and if people didn't vote for Biden, but rather voted against Trump. You know, as much as I don't like that idea either, you are still free to do that. You're allowed to vote for, for whoever. There yeah. seems to, yeah, and I'm, yeah, but there seems to be, there does seem to be a psychosis surrounding him that, that all, all tradition and all, I guess, normalities can be thrown out of the window. That, like, we're gonna arrest this president, and that, that the there's some there's some delusional, intoxicating take that 
America is so exceptional that we are immune to repeating the mistakes of the past. And I love this, as the flag behind me says, I love this place. But there's this idea that we won't slip into dystopia, that we mm-hmm. won't slip into Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia, that that we won't fall into that. But we are no different. We are ultimately, I mean, if there's ever been a place with a sampling of all humans from all areas of Earth, it's America. Thus, uh-huh. we are just as, if not more likely than any other place, to have a, a, a non-zero probability that we will also f- fall into the the same mistakes those past empires have made and it's it's easy to feel disconnected from you know nazi germany because it's it's black and white and they're in these weird big shiny cars and yeah that's not now where it's it's you know i can order taco bell and have it delivered to my house and get on snapchat but we're (laughs) still the same people with the same brains and we will if we do not heed heed from the past we we will slip into the same the same hellscapes that has plagued the past before and i think above all else there does seem to be a delusion that we are somehow above that that it won't happen here but we are no different from any other aggregation of people in any other area of land throughout all of human history and that's kind of my fear of that well you mean having sort of normal human um, frailties. Yeah. Uh, yes. And I think that people, you know, uh, that people feel that there is that, that um, we are sort of complacent in that we think we're going to have all these freedoms and so on forever. And, and I think that that's why it took a while for us to wake up to what really is, has been going on. You know, we started waking up um, when the whole George Floyd uh, event happened and the protests, you know, the riots happened um, and so on. And then things and and also with the pandemic and kids watching uh, their teachers on Zoom. So parents got to see what they're being taught and so on. So all of this seemed to happen really rather quickly um, all at once and the statues being uh, toppled and so on. But then when you look into it more deeply, this is actually there's has been going on insidiously for years oh, and kind of became clearer in the last few years. Yeah, it's it's been going on for decades, but it's just now it's here, right? It's it's hearing about a storm, a rainstorm coming, or hearing about a hurricane, versus when the sky actually starts to turn black and the windows start rattling, and you go, oh, yeah. you go, oh shit. <laughs> Right. Oh, it's actually here. Oh shit. And we have been seeing it for decades and it's a uh, it's ultimately, I mean, to strip away all ideological labels from it. It ultimately comes down to self-hatred and a perversion of all that is traditionally human. Not just American. That's kind of myopic. Just traditionally human. Self-loving, sure. just nuclear families. That seems to be the bane of existence for whoever's perpetrating this. It just Everything else stems from that. You can call it communism or Nazism or socialism or Satanism or whatever you want. It, it is a self-hatred and a destruction of all that is good and holy in this world. And that's just if you really cut away all, you know, trim all the fat. That's what it is. It's just it's self-hatred. Well, but people aren't born um, hating themselves. No. You know, I, I mean, I think that... Um, 
I think this has been part of the what's been happening with, um, you know, there are certain people who want us to have self-hatred so that they can, you know, the World Economic Forum and so on. And, and um, so that people can rule us, um, you know, or just on an American scale, the left. But um, so they're they're growing They're um, like we're like in a petri dish and they're growing this self-hatred um so that we can be more easily manipulated no i agree with but that I don't, I don't think that we i mean i i don't think that we um i don't think that we sort of naturally have that but it is very easy to fall into that you know as a matter of fact even from 9 11 uh to a large degree that contributed to us feeling um, like abused children, you know, um, feeling guilty or feeling like we, um, you know, we're bad or that that had a big effect on on us um, that really hasn't been talked about very much. But, you know, that I think you can you can trace uh, well, you can you can trace it back decades. But that was one of the points, certainly, where um, it made us feel. It made us feel vulnerable, hmm. and we don't like feeling vulnerable. I, I haven't I haven't heard that that theory before. The, I get the vulnerability. I was I was eleven when it happened, so I don't remember too much of it. But um, well, I remember it. It's just it's it's hard to place it into. I'm 32 now. It's hard to I guess visualize it now. Um, but I, I hadn't heard. Could you maybe uh, I guess explain that a little more? The idea of of self hatred or the idea that we're bad stemming from 9-11 i get the vulnerability thing just the first part i'm not sure i entirely i haven't heard before at the least well it's like um i mean certainly we i mean there are some you know there are some uh conspiracy theories about 9-11 and i'm not talking about that because i don't believe those conspiracies i don't think we did 9-11 sure. there really are radical islamist terrorists and and you know we know for a fact um, which ones perpetrated 9/11? So we didn't we didn't do it to ourselves, um, but you know, I, there's a feeling. Um, you know, it's it's interesting that because you would be part of the generation, um, kids growing up. I've I've talked about this before. Kids growing up in the shadow of 9/11, seeing their parents react to 9/11. Parents feeling anxious and feeling um, scared and feeling um, worried and feeling helpless. Um, that has made, um, obviously you must be an exception to it, I guess, but that has made a lot of the, those children who were growing up then, um, either who were born soon after 9-11 or who were already alive but children during that time they would have and you tell me if, if you know if this resonates with you at all um absorbed some of that helplessness and um would feel again obviously not you but would feel uh, be more inclined towards wanting a socialist hmm. uh, country having big daddy take care of us because it felt like we were so vulnerable you know and 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 surprised and how what's happening here you know so sort of um nothing like this had happened before in america so it it i think it gave those children 
um, more of a sense of needing daddy or mommy, needing somebody to take care of, of us. Um, and that's, I think that's why, you know, of course it's been education in the schools and, and, you know, um, high schools and middle schools and, and colleges, of course, are crazy these days, um, you know, with, with the, what they're teaching, um, students, but, but I think it may be, you know, the Bernie Sanders, for example, of the world. Why were there so many young people attracted to Bernie Sanders? Um, you know, because because there was a kind of protection that seems to be offered in a um, in a in a government like that. No, I think I think I was absolutely one of those one of those kids. I mean who knows how much of it's subconscious and that I haven't just acknowledged yet, even though it's been 20 years. I mean, I remember right after it though. I mean, I remember the day of, I remember I was, uh, went to a private Catholic school outside of Atlanta and I remember they came on and they like shut down all the private schools and all the parents came and picked us up and like all, all the moms were crying all, you know, and it was just like, you know, you know, the parents, your invincible parents are visibly upset and shaken and you're 11. You're like, what the hell's going on? And, I remember going home and, you know, watching on repeat the planes hitting the towers. I remember watching George Bush, like, talking in the rubble. I don't remember if that was the next day or whatever. Um, and then I remember them kind of coming out and saying, like, there's going to be a war on terror. And I was just thinking about this the other day, of how simple, how simple logic is when you're a kid. I vividly mm -hmm. remember them explaining, like, the war on terror. And how it wasn't just going to be Afghanistan, but we were going to go throughout the whole world and erase all of terrorism. And as an 11-year-old, I just remember thinking, like, good, we're finally, we're taking the gloves. And I look at that now, and I'm like, that is an asinine idea. Like, you can do surgical strikes. Occupations often don't work. Unless you're going to, like, carpet nuke anyone, you really can't take on the whole world. And the amount of money that cause takes and the civil liberties that are eroded at home through the Patriot Act, through echelon x x key score stellar wins all the nsa domestic programs but it's taken me you know 20 years to mature to that idea but by then the whole thing's already happened we did the two decade occupation and have left but at the time when you're a kid and your brain is still forming there is that even as someone who you know grew up in a conservative household whether you acknowledge it or put a label on it there is that feeling of daddy government's going to come in, the big strong mill, Department of Homeland Security. We're going to find them. We're going to kill them. We're, they attacked freedom itself. And, you know, you're four feet high and you're like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to go get rid of the evil. And, yeah, I wonder how much of that has still, it's probably still inside me that wants someone to take care of me, that doesn't want to grow up on my own, right? I think we all approach this as you get older. You're like, oh, am I the adult now? I don't want to be the adult now, but mm -hmm. I think that's probably it. And as you see more things kind of go to shit, there is no border. You know, the, our food processing plants, our entire supply chain, our domestic infrastructure, we're sending all these weapons to Ukraine. Inflation is just ruining the dollar. Vaccine mandates, government censorship. There is just this infantilism where you, you're a kid and you want to cry and you say, someone come pick me up and right. put me to bed and make it all better. And the problem is, is the people who are making you feel that way are also the people who are going to come to the rescue. It's not 
There's not a bad guy that's going to be wiped out by a good guy. There is a guy parading as a good guy that is also doing all this shit to make you want the White Knight to come in. Yes. Now, we do have to, Joe, though, um, separate out, do make a distinction between, you know, th there was something really good about, um, for example, after 9-11, all the people who joined sure. uh, the military because of patriotism. So there is a fine line, but, you know, patriotism is good. And I, I, I'm not against the fact that we went to Afghanistan and, and we, we did the war on terror. I think. Oh, I'm not either. Uh, I'm not either. Just clarification now i'm okay i'm friends okay. with a lot of interview of most of the special forces guys that like spearheaded that stuff okay it's, great it's the much larger picture of yes. everything can be cured by a non-stop military campaign that just goes on forever uh-huh well okay um i mean that's not everything can be cured by that but i i i my my only i'm just uh i just want to I'm very concerned with the fact that people have gone the other way. Sure. You know, a lot of people have thought, oh, we don't need to worry about that anymore. Um, you know, and actually Europe, for example, is uh, has been overrun by migrants. There's a lot of um, a lot of, you know, uh, terror attacks. We don't really hear about it in mainstream media, but there are a lot of things going on, a lot of rapes all the time by migrants. Um, in fact, in America, you know, I was talking earlier about how we're in greater danger. One, because we have a president who has dementia. Um, I warned about that from when he was running, when he was in his in basement, when Biden when it was in his basement running. I did a lot of media talking about how he has encroaching dementia and, and warning him. Yes, of course, I wanted Trump to be elected, but it wasn't just because of that. I didn't want someone with encroaching dementia to be elected president. We have seen the results of that. Um, and um, but so oh, now I lost my train of thought. I got started thinking about Biden uh, is a military, military <laughs> occupation, the good guy, the bad guy. Oh, right, the... right. OK, so. So, oh yeah, why we were in more, uh, more, more risk. You know, we took um, eighty thousand Afghans into America. Biden brought them in, and because of the situation at the time, you know, the the horrendous uh, exit, um, which is part of partly due to or largely due to his encroaching dementia, he couldn't uh, handle more than one plan in his mind at a time. And when that started falling apart, he couldn't switch to a plan B or C. Um, and so, um, so that, and the fact that, um, that now they have all our equipment, our weapons, they're learning how to use it. Um, oh, I started to say about the Afghans. And so now we, you know, that is, and of course, yes, some of them were people who did help the troops in Afghanistan, but there were so many that slipped through, there was really no vetting. And so many slipped through, along with the terrorists who are slipping through on the southern border. Um, this there is going to be a renewed, <laughs> a renewed um, uh, attention. In fact, just this past week, there were a lot of different stories about um, about terrorists and what they're doing and how, um, you know, how different uh, things that that draw your attention to the fact that they have not gone away. And there is going to be a renewed resurgence um you know my latest book was called is called lions and tigers and terrorists oh my how to protect your child in a time of terror 
And it's a book. Um, the first half of it is for grown-ups, teachers and parents and so on. And then this, and that's like written like a regular book. And the second half is a picture book. And it's like terrorism 101 light for kids with Osama and, um, you know, the shoe bomber, <laughs> you know, all the, the high points or low points, however you want to look at it, uh, about terrorism, because kids need to understand this. And so, you know, um, and I was in, in London uh, with that book and uh, and Paris and won all kinds of awards and so on. Um, and, you know, it seemed during the pandemic that we maybe didn't have to worry about terrorists anymore, anymore. But as I was saying earlier, in fact, that was a time of rejuvenation of um, different Al Qaeda, ISIS, ISIS K. That was one of the things in the news this week about ISIS K. How that was really um, rejuvenating itself. So it is going to be, um, I'm not saying there's going to be another 9-11, but we certainly have not seen the end of other kinds of terror attacks. And to kind of um, <clears throat> touch on the, the war on terror, it's as with everything, of course it isn't as black and white as, you know, they want to scare you so that you beg for government help. We right. also don't live in a vacuum. We are 5% of the world's population. We live in a world with a vast majority, I guess not majority, a massive percentage live on a dollar a day or don't have access to clean water. Or if they live in a second world country, it's still worse than any city in the U.S. It's not a nice world. And I'm very, I haven't never served in the military, but I don't have any starry-eyed illusions about the world. I've interviewed enough of these guys who have operated in 80, 90, 100 countries or intelligence guys excuse my French, but I know how fucked the world is. So it's also not as easy as the government's trying to scare you. There's also genuine organic terror. And if it's not terror, it's state-backed terror. Russia, China, Iran, Turkey. Like, it's not a nice world. And the world is ruled by guns and weapons and bombs. And that's that's the dark reality, is we're not all holding hands. It's whoever has... There's a reason why no one attacks us, and it's not because they're nice to us it's because we have a bigger military than the next nine people combined like i i don't have any delusions about that so just as my own clarification like i also get that it's not it's not a fun world where we're all happily playing in the sandbox together it's there it's a very chaotic king of the jungle-esque world i just I, need to make my own clarification on that i agree with you but the only um, the only way out of that or up from that is for each of us to try every day, like we were talking about earlier, to make it better, both in our personal world and doing something on a grander scale to wake people up to what what is really not good, you know, what really has to change, what really can't take over. Um, you know, I think a metaphor it kind of says it all. Um, the uh, Norman Rockwell paintings. I love Norman Rockwell paintings because that's, you know, Americana. That is the heyday of America. And um, Biden recently took down the um, Norman Rockwell paintings in the White House. And that really, you know, he was trying to say. Symbolic. Uh, yes. I, we don't want you to remember that. Forget about those days. Um, you know, where it's going to be my way now. It's going to be like this. And that is just really sad. That's depressing. But so as not to uh, 
end this podcast on a depressing note. As a psychiatrist, can you leave, I would like to say my audience, but more selfishly, can you leave me with any, with any positive piece of advice or positive outlook or, or just make it a little less bad? (laughs) Sure. Um, Well, I think first of all, you deserve kudos for what you're doing. I think that's number one. You know, you can feel uh, proud of yourself for trying all the time to be making this world into a better place. That's the most important thing. And um, and to be a model for other people, you know, um, both on a large scale and in a more per- on a more personal scale, you know, maybe helping uh, your contemporaries or your children, you know, with um, trying not, not telling them about the, all the guns and war and so on, but, you know, stu- um, inspiring them to uh, to work hard to to keep America the way it was meant to be, um, the way it has been, and to uh, and to start appreciating things like even just uh, the flag and like you know what you have. I want to bring back uh, the Pledge of Allegiance to schools. That is something that I hope to do um, in the future, uh, to, because that is something that has it's really had a very deleterious effect on on the world on america i mean on america's world um because when we used to raise uh pledge allegiance and sing um, you know songs sing patriotic songs to start the day like that when i was growing up that's how we started the day and there was something so um calming and um you you do that that was one way to not feel anxious and to feel like we're all in this together and we want america to be great and and we're all you know we're, we're all going to help each other kind of thing and i think that um and now I, I don't know the exact statistics but i know it's missing in a lot of schools and um that is a big that's a big hole we need to fill that again with the pride and yeah so self love is Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an uphill climb. Maybe it's just my own anxiety today kind of bursting through the seams, but uh not Yes, I know. Cool. I didn't do much to help. No, you did. No, you did. I, I dig my own holes, trust me. If I if it was really bad, I would have canceled all the shows. No, I this is it's all self-inflicted. There's no one to feel sorry for. This is it's my fault. Um but no, it did help. It's cuz ultimately the only way through it is to walk through it. I could have gone to sleep and taken a nap. And that'd be great for a little bit, but then I'd wake up and it'd still be there. So I mean, ultimately you have to you have to pay the bill. You have to pay the anxiety bill, and the only way to pay it is to go through whatever it is that's making you anxious. So mm-hmm. no, it's this had to happen. So um, thank you for helping me walk through it. But uh, Dr. Lieberman, I'd love to have you back on here sometime. Uh, we got to wrap this one up, but in the description yeah. is your website, your Twitter, uh, both your podcasts, and again, the greatest name ever, the Terrorist Therapist. That truly is. I don't know what I'm doing with Tommy's podcast. That's such a better name, the terrorist. <laughs> uh, but Dr. Lieberman, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I'll email you this episode. I'll email you the link and I'd love to have you back on here. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for watching, guys. Stay Recording safe. Recording stopped. Peace.